Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax. Your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you live from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Thursday, September 20th. LA Galaxy gearing up for a big game against the Seattle Sounders coming up on Sunday, of course, after a 5-3 loss to Toronto FC last Saturday. It feels like it was forever ago. Certainly feels like a long time. There's going to be a lot to talk about as we get ready for the game on Sunday. Seattle with a midweek game. We'll uh, talk about the results of that and how that could be favoring the LA Galaxy. Uh, we're going to talk GM and coach search for the LA Galaxy as well. Uh, some other interesting facts that we've been able to pull up about the LA Galaxy as well. So a lot to get to, a lot of fun stuff. We have a couple calls to get to and some emails. So a lot of fun things to get to before the night is over. I'm glad everybody could join you. And of course, I have to start with the simple fact that I am once again here listening or, or, or with all of you and, and I don't have any co-hosts. I mean, it, it could be a little easier for me, I, I think. There, there could be some people who would actually, you know, maybe show up. But let's see. Let's run down all the people that I tried to get to come on the show tonight. Uh, Wendy's traveling in Italy. You can't blame Wendy. She's, she's off living her best life. Uh, she says that she's enjoying the gelato immensely. That's great for her. Uh, Eric was packing and had to go, I think, to a bachelor party uh, in New Orleans. I mean, that's kind of a lame excuse to not be here on a Thursday night. But hey, whatever. Uh, Larry Morgan not on Twitter. Everybody's favorite Larry Morgan not on Twitter. I uh, was busy tonight. And Kevin Baxter, uh, K-Bax, was trying to get him in for a special Thursday night show. And, of course, um, no Thursday nights for the Panda. The Panda's busy on Thursday nights, boys and girls. Remember that. Uh, he said he was out practicing in his mini golf. Um, he would need to practice. That's for sure. Absolutely. But I'm, I'm glad I could be here with you. You know, no need to break in anybody new. I get to go a little crazy. You guys get to yell at me. It sounds like a good time. It will be had by all. And we'll, uh, we'll somehow get through this and, and ready for the LA Galaxy's big game coming up on Sunday. So uh, the, the LA Galaxy, obviously, uh, in a precarious spot. We've talked about it many times. We talked about their must-win games, in quotation marks, must-win games. And Sunday is another must-win game, in quotation marks, although it almost takes them out uh, if they lose this. I mean, seriously, it's one of those things you look at that, you know, in, in, with, all, with all the results sort of coming down. And there were some results that a little bit favored the Galaxy midweek. Um, I can tell you this, that their chances of making the playoffs and missing the playoffs and all those other things that have happened in between, it didn't drop by all that much. They started the week at 9% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. It was a 9% chance of making the playoffs according to 538.com, and they're the ones we've been co quoting the whole time. Um, and so with that 9% at the start of the week, with the midweek games, they are now at 8%. All right. Not, nothing, nothing scary or, or ridiculous about that. I mean, uh, like I said, you had Seattle who lost to Philadelphia, and we'll talk about that game a little bit more and sort of the ramifications of what that happens. You had Portland who won their game. Um, so between those two games, the Cascadia games, it, it sort of it didn't exactly kill the Galilee Galaxy. It didn't exactly hurt them all that much either. Uh, and if you look in the Western Conference, Seattle losing didn't exactly uh, throw their playoff hopes out of uh, whack either. There's still a 96% chance to make the playoffs. Uh, the other Western Conference, 
non-conference teams. FC Dallas, 99%. Sporting Kansas City, 99%. Uh, let's see. We have LAFC, 98%. Portland, 94% chance to make the playoffs. Real Salt Lake, 83% chance to make the playoffs. And then you get into the teams that are on the cusp. Vancouver, 20%. LA Galaxy, 8%. That's it for the Western Conference. So you're looking, and as we've talked about on the Monday night show, um, we've certainly talked about it enough to say that the LA Galaxy have, you know, a slim chance of making the playoffs. And it's really Vancouver, who they have to jump over, and it's Real Salt Lake, who currently has an eight. I mean, if you're going by 538, 538's numbers, you're saying that the Western Conference is pretty much locked up, and the teams that are going to be in the playoffs are going to be in the playoffs. Everybody who's out of the playoffs right now is going to stay out. So Vancouver is going to stay out, and the Galaxy are going to stay out. That's what 538 is telling you by these stats. All right, that RSL, even though they have a difficult stretch ahead, and even though they've played as many games as the LA Galaxy, they're going to be able to survive that with the points that they have right now, and they're going to be able to, to overcome that and any difficulties they have. And the Galaxy, quite honestly, haven't been showing that they can win games, so it's not like it's, it's one of those things where you say, oh, but the Galaxy are getting hot. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. It, it certainly is that the Galaxy have been who they say they are over the last, you know, oh, over the last exactly 53 days, by the way. 53 days is the exact amount on this Thursday night of time the LA Galaxy have gone without a win. So their last win was on July 29th, 53 days now. And if you've been paying attention on Twitter, I've been reminding everybody day by day of that. Uh, whenever they face off against Seattle, it will have been 56 days since the LA Galaxy Um you know, we're last in the win column, um, which I don't know. I, I think that's a little scary in terms of how it's gone. Now, granted, it certainly mirrors a lot what we saw last year um, from the LA Galaxy and, and what happened with them in 2017, but they're in a better spot now. They're 11 points better, so, I mean, that's that's better. They're borderline a playoff team, and there's no reason that they shouldn't... They, they should be a borderline playoff team. It's, it's almost... Uh, from where they have been and where they were... You look at that and say, are they better than, you know, uh, Real Salt Lake? Maybe. Maybe they are. I mean, certainly the 6-2 scoreline at Real Salt Lake certainly doesn't prove that. Um, are they better than Houston? Yeah. Are they better than Vancouver? Mm, borderline. I mean, if you look at it, the Galaxy are that borderline team, and I don't think they should be. I think they should be easily into the, uh, into the end of this. But when you look at the Western Conference standings, I mean, they're tight. They always have been tight. Uh, it's 11 points from 1st to 7th right now. That's, that's not much. Um, you know, just trying to separate the, the first place team, 51 points, Sporting Kansas City, FC Dallas at 50 points, Los Angeles FC at 47, Portland at 47, Real Salt Lake 45, Seattle 44, Vancouver 40, LA Galaxy 38, and then it drops off at the end with Houston at 31, Minnesota at 30, Colorado and San Jose both eliminated from the playoff contention at 24 and 20. So, I mean, that's what you're getting from there. It's the Galaxy are not the worst team in Major League Soccer. I know people would love to say that the Galaxy are the worst team in Major League Soccer. They're not. There's not, and not even in the conference. They're not even the worst team in their conference. All right, and that's certainly been proven this year with with how they've done it. I mean, it is. Um, the Galaxy aren't good, but they're not horrible, and that's sort of been the thing. Eleven points better than last year. They're fighting for a playoff spot. I mean. You know, it's 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 all of that. It's how it goes. Colorado, San Jose, uh, clearly much worse teams. Minnesota, much worse team. Galaxy get a chance to play at Minnesota to prove that. Um, they'll get a chance to host Houston to prove that. But yeah, I mean, they're not good. 
they're not good, they ha and they haven't been good. And this goes back to to a whole bunch of things. Uh, the LA Galaxy, like I said, last one was set, uh, July 29th versus Orlando City. Remember, that was a 4-3 win. Uh, they will have gone 56 days between wins if they can beat Seattle on Sunday. If not, then we can extend that out for another week, uh, and the, uh, the, the days without a win extend out even further. Further. Um, let's see, you look at the losses and, and how it's sort of gone. So since that last win on July 29th, the LA Galaxy have gone seven games. Um, during that game, during that time, they had three draws at home where they were uh, scored five to five. So even on that, three draws, what do you know? Five to five, that's how it works. Um, and then four road games, uh, which all equal four losses where they were outscored 18 to six. During the seven game stretch that they have right now, 23 to 11, outscored 23 to 11 in those games. And, and you know, that's, I, I don't know how to sugarcoat that. We, you all saw it. You all lived through it. We all know what it was. There's nothing that you can hide here in terms of what happened. Um, the LA Galaxy have no defense, despite the fact they have one of the highest scoring offenses in Major League Soccer. And in fact, we'll probably finish with the fourth or third best highest scoring LA Galaxy offense of all time. I mean, that, that right there shows you sort of the improvements that have been made, at least on the offensive side of the ball, and certainly most of that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Absolutely. Whenever you look at, at, at how many goals he scored. And his 500th goal we saw against Toronto, a spectacular as always. We talked about that on Monday night. But really, this all goes down to the LA Galaxy in terms of putting in long-term plans. And the fact that the Galaxy have not allowed any of their coaches or really anyone in a position of any power to think long-term, and they've continued to screw up the coaching searches they've had. Um, and this is what, you know, swirling the toilet bowl feels like right now. Uh, a little bit higher than last year, which is good. You got an, you got a, you got an improvement. That's what you should have seen. You should have seen an improvement. And next year, there should be another improvement. So, I mean, that's good. You are technically moving in the right direction, but you can't look at the defense and say that you're moving in the right direction at all unless you just realize that you're getting rid of two starters on that defense next year and that you believe the two starters you're going to bring in are going to be the ones who solidify that. I mean, if the Galaxy can cut their goals in half, they're first place in the Western Conference. In fact, they might even be a Supporter Shield winner. With the amount of goals they score on offense... They're a real contender all of a sudden, but it's about defense. It's about the back line. Uh, it's about the midfield. Uh, Perry Kitchen has been a complete disappointment over the last five, six games. Um, you know, the the work rate that sort of dropped off, his disconnect with Jonathan Dos Santos, they've never worked well together. I still continue to not like that pairing um, all that much. I think Jonathan Dos Santos was, you know, with a man of the match against Toronto. He was great, but that was mostly on the offensive side of the ball again. If you're looking at him to play defense, you're not going to get that a lot, and that leaves Perry Kitchen by himself, and Perry Kitchen does better whenever he has somebody around him, and certainly the defense behind him isn't going to help that. And so even going to four in the back. By the way, did anybody else pick up on uh, on going four? On going four in the back and how that actually gives you less defenders in the back line? That That's what happened in that game. Uh, if you want to say it was a 4-3-3, sure. If you want to say it was a 4-5-1, sure. Um, all those things. But whenever you put four in the back, that certainly wasn't... You weren't getting outside midfielders coming back to help on defense, so you had four in the back instead of five in the back that you usually have in the 3-5-2 that the Galaxy have played. 
Does it matter? No. They probably would have gave up the same amount of goals. It's it's the same thing over and over again. But when we talk about long-term planning, we have to go and look. And I thought there was a really interesting article. And if you haven't read it, normally I don't go and just pimp you know the league's website because I think there's some real conflicts of interest on some of this stuff. But occasionally, they do pretty good in terms of stories. Uh, there was one by uh, Daniel Sperry talking about how Peter Vermees built a culture of success with Sporting Kansas City. It's interesting. I'm going to read you some of this. I'm going to point out some of the quotes uh, that, uh, that Daniel was able to, to pull and he talked to uh, Peter Vermees. And you have to remember something very important. Peter Vermees is the sporting technical director and manager. So he's the guy who has both of those. He's the guy. That's it. There's one guy. We all know that he replaced Kurt Anolfo. Uh, he fired him and was already with the club in the technical director position in 2006 and then decided that as technical director, the best idea, which by the way, you have to give it to him. This is ballsy. All right. Imagine if you're if you fire the person below you. Okay. I, which I which I love. I love this idea. You fire the person below you, and the only person you can possibly think to replace the replace them is yourself. But you still get to keep your job above too. I mean, it, it takes some it takes some cojones to do that. And and Peter Vermees is the guy who has all of that and more. And so it doesn't surprise you whenever Peter Vermees says, "I'm the best person to do it. I'm gonna do it." So Peter Vermees comes in. Uh, this is, uh, Daniel, again, Daniel, uh, Sperry talking about this. Uh, he says that something Sporting Kansas City have worked hard to build a blueprint over time and they shared the process recently. This is, uh, Peter Vermees. When I first took over, most people didn't, don't realize this, but I basically cut the head off the snake. I basically got rid of all the old players that were there here at the time. I went with a lot of younger players. Uh, Vermees went on. He described his roster decisions of going young as more of a necessity to create and institute a culture. He, this is uh, Vermees. He says, I needed young, hungry guys that were going to understand that there was going to be a big paradigm shift in the way things are going to be done going forward, he explained. So Peter Vermees goes younger, and uh, he also gets to, uh, to his assistant coach as well. Uh, so he says, uh, the assistant coach says, I think we started as teammates in 2000. We always had conversations of if we were in control of the club, how we would organize this, and what are the things we would do to improve the, the environment, improve the culture. Uh, Vermees tended to gravitate towards the idea of building it all around a dual culture, one that prioritized the team above all and one that expected winning. In trying to get his message across, he said he had to play the role of a salesman. Uh, he said, I, this is Vermees, and he says, and, and then I had to start demonstrating situations where, hey, that's not a team first moment, or hey, that's not working hard, that's not very intelligent on the field, that's not a winning mentality. So then what you do is start providing examples of, hey, this is a first team mentality. Watch this action, because video is a powerful thing. Seeing something on the field is a powerful thing, so we were able to reinforce those aspects. Uh, the core four values for Sporting Kansas City, this is interesting, uh, the team is always first. Number two is high work ethic. Three, be intelligent. And four, pursue excellence daily. All right, lots of, you know, rah-rah stuff. That's fine. Um, Graham Zussi said at the beginning, I can very specifically remember him when he took over and that he really didn't care about getting wins initially. Initially, uh, We were changing the culture of really just how we trained in the beginning. Ultimately, that grew into what it took to win as a team and as a group, but from the minute he took over, it was more about getting everyone's mindset right and about getting that team-first mentality from the get-go. 
Uh, I think, uh, let's see, uh, Matt Bessel, uh, Beesler says, I think every time in the le- every team in the league has expectation to win, but until you actually do it, there's, they're not real. That's the main difference. Before it's expected to win, to win trophies in Champions League, Open Cup, all the different things until you know what it feels like and you know what it takes just to talk it. So that's, I mean, this is what, this is, it's not so much about the winning mentality, although I will argue that there are people right now on the LA Galaxy who don't understand what it means to win championships. We've gone over this before. The only guys left in those championship teams, what, uh, Baggio, Sidic, and Bradford Jameson right now. And, and I mean, is that the chance? Both of those guys, like them both, but are those the guys who you expect to have that championship mindset? Before you had guys like Landon Donovan, who had been on the team forever. Uh, you had guys even like Todd Donovan. You had the sort of the older guard, Greg Berhalter, whenever he was in. Um... You know, there's all these players they brought in. Robbie Keane eventually with that too. Although Robbie Keane brought that winning mentality with him, you know, from the very beginning. And and we've talked about it, how Robbie Keane was not liked off the field, but he was loved on the field because of what he did and what he brought brought that. So the ultimate idea behind this is is really and, and Vermees hits on it at the end he goes I wouldn't have been able to do this if I didn't have the support here let me quote it he goes uh, none of what we do is possible without our ownership group they obviously had a vision when they purchased the team they also realized that they wanted to do it how they believed it to be right pay very attention to this this is my problem and this is the stuff I've, we've been arguing now for a while and, and I know if you've been paying attention to the show or anything else you've heard this before already it's that the LA Galaxy lack a long-term plan, and not only that, but a long-term plan that they actually believe in. And it was evidenced by the fact that they go in and get Cardinalfo, and they bring it in. They bring Cardinalfo in, and then they supply him with a team of, let's just say it's a non-competitive team, and they move a whole bunch of the LA Galaxy 2 guys up there. Now, I will. this is going to be my very small defense of the LA Galaxy during 2017, and it's very tiny. All right, I don't want you to get hung up on it. I'm not making excuses for them. They were riddled by injuries, and all of the older players they expected to play were injured. You had the Robbie Rogers problem. You had A.J. Delagos. Listen, they did a bunch of this to shoot themselves in the foot. I don't believe that they thought they were going to have to rely on the young guns that much, but they did, and they brought all the kids up, and they failed. And that's exactly what happened. They failed. They failed to put a competitive roster together because they failed to have a long-term plan. They didn't understand what they were trying to do, and they were pompous about it. They were arrogant about it. They went about things in a direction that couldn't have a positive outcome because they didn't understand everything that they were doing. Right? And that goes even from, even from, Curtinolfo, hiring Curtinolfo. Here's my argument. We're going to listen to a, to a, a listener who wrote in and says that I need to stop talking about uh, Cardinalfo being fired prematurely. He was fired prematurely. I'll tell you right there. Ari, your, your email that I'm going to get to eventually, he was fired prematurely. Absolutely. Because if you have a long-term plan, then you understand that you're bringing in a coach to coach a team over the long term with the competitive team that you're going to give him. You're talking about Cardinalfo who didn't have nearly the pull that Siggy Schmidt did. All right, didn't have nearly the pull that Siggy Schmidt did. And we are talking about Siggy Schmidt, who was supposed to be in charge of player personnel, which we have told you from basically the very beginning, didn't have full control of player personnel. Well, Kurt Anolfo was never even promised any of that. He was given a general manager, Pete Vianis, who was supposed to put this stuff together, along with Chris Klein, the president, along with Jovan Karofsky, they were supposed to put this stuff together, and they failed to have a, comp- a competent long-term plan. And if they did have a long-term plan, then you certainly 
certainly keep Kurt Anolfo for longer than 20 games because you knew what you were getting into. Your plan was play the young kids, was to fill those injury holes with the young kids. And you know what? They're getting, they're getting some experience. That's okay. We understand there's going to be bumps in here. They said it right in this article. It's not about so much getting wins. And listen, I'm not somebody who's going to sit here and say, well, you don't need to win, but it's about forming the right culture. So what culture did you form in 20 games under Kurt Anolfo when you then fired him you bring in Siggy Schmidt, who couldn't get a hold of that team and didn't coach it for the last you know, 14 games of the season. You saw the LA Galaxy just nosedive. I mean, with Anolfo, they, they sputtered. It's kind of like this year. They sputtered. They stopped. They started. They had, some, they had an unbeaten streak. They had a losing streak. All those things. But it wasn't until Siggy Schmidt showed up that it, that it nosedived. All right? And you look at all that, and oh, hey, that's all great. That's fine. You can do that. But what's your long-term plan? When you fired Anolfo, you said, hey, we didn't have a long-term plan. We expected you to pull miracles out of your butt by playing these kids. That's what I'm trying to say right now is that with a long-term plan, you don't fire Kurt Anolfo. Maybe you don't hire Kurt Anolfo. Maybe that's what happens. That's fine, too. You can, you can make that argument, and that's fine. But the bottom line is, without that plan, without an understanding of what it was going to take to make that plan happen, you got 2017. And then, instead of going on a coaching search and having a long-term plan for what you wanted to see the LA Galaxy look like, in 2018, 2019, and 2020, in three years, you should have a two- to three-year plan. Without doing they, they get they get Siggy Schmidt in, who immediately sees... That there are deficiencies all across the LA Galaxy organization. What does Siggy do? He understands those deficiencies. Says he's only going to be here for two years, but is going to try to fix those things. He's going to tell you what they are, and he's going to try to fix them. You let Siggy Schmidt put together a team. For the most part, you still meddle. You still prod. You still deflect and defend and slow down things that are supposed to happen, and you don't give Siggy the full support that he needs. Uh, You certainly don't implement all of the corrective actions that he saw. And this is what you get. I mean, listen, Siggy came in his day two and Kevin's told this story. And I'll even relay what Kevin said on Twitter just to make sure that everybody understands how this, how this all sorts of goes. Um, but he, on day two, he comes in and Yellow Van Damme says, I'm out. I need to leave. Siggy Schmidt, being a man manager of, 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 of some reputation, I mean, certainly there's people who don't like him. I think there's people on this LA Galaxy team who didn't like him at all, especially those people who weren't playing. But understands that you can't have uh, you know, Yellow Van Dam sitting on the bench or, or playing in games unhappy that you need to move him and you need to move him. And he goes to the LA Galaxy organization and he says, uh, really quickly, people in the chat room bringing up Charlie Rugg, by the way. Charlie Rugg, Rookie of the Year. That was my call. Remember that. Um, but no, you have, uh, you have Siggy Schmidt goes to the LA Galaxy organization and says, all right, who else do you have? Who else is on the list? By the way, a list that Siggy says every other team in Major League Soccer has. These are a list of players that you have scouted ahead of time, that you've looked at, that might become available. It's a list that constantly evolves. It constantly changes. You add people to the list. You take people off the list. This is a list that you should have it. At least two, maybe three deep at every position. Because if somebody goes down with a season-ending injury and you need to replace somebody or somebody becomes available, somebody gets hurt, somebody wants moved, all those things, you have to be prepared ahead of time. You can't just throw something together. Instead, the LA Galaxy, without that list, go out and get Michael Ciani. Michael Ciani wasn't playing at the time. Remember, he was out of contract. I don't think he had played since June or maybe even May of the year before. So there was no chance for the LA Galaxy to pre-scout him. 
And they didn't have a list. So that's, I mean, that's, that's how you get Michael Ciani. And by the way, I would say that there is even some discussion about whether or not uh, you should assign Michael Ciani to a six-month contract or whether you sign him to an 18-month contract. And I think there was indecision and argument inside of the LA Galaxy organization on that idea. That's my personal opinion on it. All right, that's what I'm saying is that there's a, this constant list and involvement that you have to do. It's a long-term plan. Long, that scouting, that scouting you have is, is these little short-term things that you do. You know, I can tell you right now that, it, you know, it, it looked like Kurt Schmidt had been out of the country for a large portion of the time since the season started. I know certainly whenever I tried to contact him on, on multiple occasions to try to either bring him in the studio for a question or if I had questions or anything else, it wasn't always easy to reach him. Right? That's, that's, that's what you're trying to build. You're try- and now there's no guarantee. And uh, you know, certainly I know the question has been asked and I don't know the answer to it. Is will Kurt Schmidt stay? I'll tell you right now, if, they lo- if the Galaxy lose Kurt Schmidt, you're losing the scouting department that was trying to be rebuilt. You're losing that. All right, There are things that every other major league soccer team or most of the major league soccer teams, especially, especially high echelon major league soccer teams have the LA Galaxy don't have. That's, that's, that's a lack of a long-term plan. That's lack of organizational control. I did like that, though, by the way. I just pulled out an NCAA, uh, an NCAA uh, uh, saying, the lack of organizational control or institutional control. That's what it is. It's always, it's always that one. All right, let's see. Uh, I, think we got, uh, I think we got Hugh here. Hugh, is that you? This is Hugh. Hey, buddy. How's it going? What do you got? It's going pretty well. Listen, I want to talk about our next coach, right? Yep. What do you think? Okay. Now, there's a lot of incredulous people out there that don't want to believe that the Galaxy has enough pull to bring in a world-class coach, like, for example, Asinadine Sedan, right? Okay. I think it's very possible because people were saying the exact same thing back in 2006, 2007, when one of the most recognizable, if not the most recognizable name in soccer, not named Ronaldinho, was linked to the Galaxy. Everybody was saying, no, that's never going to happen. Beckham is in his prime still. He's in Real Madrid. He's never come. And yet the Galaxy made it happen. Yep. Right? So we can definitely get Sudan, and we need somebody like Sudan for the name and the resume alone. Because only a guy like that right at that level can bench a player like Giovanni Dos Santos in the future. And I witnessed that last night during the Atlanta game when I was scratching my head saying, where is this kid? Ezekiel Barco, the most expensive signing in league, league history. He's on the bench. Yeah. Why is he on the bench? Apparently Tata Martino benched him for whatever reason. I mean, do you, I'm do you, sure his do you suspension's know, over for you, sleeping with a girlfriend or whatever. I, I, think, I think that's still it, by the way. I still, I still think that, that Tata is sort of sitting there saying, until, that, until everybody feels okay about this situation, you're probably not playing. You're, that's a, n- number one no-no uh, on the team. But yeah, go ahead, continue. You're right. Of course. I mean, it, 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 you can't just sit a player like that, though, you know, that's worth that much money if you're a no-name coach. Because you lose the team, you lose the respect of that player. Yeah. So, well, well, here's here, here, here's the here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell you, and the, and the only thing that the the thing that I really feel is the difference between you know a Beckham landing, 
um, 2007, you know, is that you look at who was in charge of the galaxy at that time, and certainly Tim Lywicki was steering the boat. Um, I don't think the galaxy have ever recovered. We talk about the galaxy not recovering from Bruce Arena departing. Um, I, I think the the fact that when Tim Lywicki left, the galaxy really had no answer or, or no understanding of, of what that was going to do in terms of the hole it was going to open up. Um, everybody knew you were going to miss him, but the fact is that everywhere Tim Lywicki has gone in Major League Soccer, uh, certainly with Toronto after uh, a, a, after a little while and, and building up that roster and understanding what it takes, you have a guy who has vision and long-term planning and understands the long-term plan. I think, really, Hugh, my whole thing is I, I agree with you up to some... I, I, I would never count the Galaxy out of getting anybody. But I will tell you that right now within the league, the word is that nobody wants to go to the LA Galaxy because they're a mess. And you don't want to, it, it's kind of like going to the Colorado Rapids in, in some in some sayings, right? Everybody knows that Colorado doesn't spend a lot of money. Now, this is going to be the opposite of the galaxy. But you have these preconceived notions of what it's going to be like when you get there, right? They don't spend a lot of money. Uh, they're going to ask you to do stuff on a shoestring budget. Uh, and you're going to have to play players that people have passed over and that other people don't want in order to try to be competitive in Major League Soccer. And every once in a while, you might strike gold. But ultimately, what probably is going to happen is you're going to get fired from that job. And you're not going to have a lot of success. And it's not exactly a career-building place i would say that with the la galaxy and the reputation that they have right now that is sort of the feeling and i'm sure there will be people who think that they can go in and control the la galaxy and do what they want but you had siggy schmidt go in there and not be able to get control over a front office that um wouldn't allow him to do some things that he wanted to do um and so if you're gonna if you're known for meddling if you're known for 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 wasting you know a coach's time for not doing what the what the coach wants all these things you're going to have a tough time attracting. It, it's not it's not the gleaming diamond that it used to be. There aren't people breaking down the door. There will be people who want to take it, but it's more of a flyer right now than it is, oh, I'm coming into a situation where everything is wonderful. Like, you know, if you're if you're somebody trying to find uh, the replacement for Tata Martino, if indeed he is staying or not staying or going or whatever it is. Does that, does that make sense? Right. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I don't and, um, I don't I was, disagree with you, by the way, yeah. Hugh. I don't disagree with you at all that the Galaxy shouldn't be going after big names. I, I know uh, Thierry Henry is a name that has been thrown around as well. I don't think it's been linked specifically with the Galaxy. And I do have lists and some names that have definitely been linked to the Galaxy that I want to get to here. But yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those things. They're... You're going to get somebody to take a chance on it, but it's whether or not the front office is going to let that person have a long-term control over what happens to the LA Galaxy. Is going to, that's going to really be what it depends on the on the success of that because the Galaxy have now gone two coaches that weren't allowed to... In, well, Kurt Anolfo was never allowed to think long-term because he was fighting for his job basically as soon as he started. Uh, Siggy Schmidt was told he was going to be allowed to, to think long-term in, in, in two-year terms, and he, that ended up uh, you know going sideways pretty quick there. Um, and so now you have another coach. I mean, the guarantees that you're going to have to give the next coach are money and a longer contract. That's what you're going to have to give. Great. You know, and that's that that costs you something, but it also costs you a reputation point if it goes sideways again. Any, anything else, Hugh? That's that's just my two cents. Shoot for the stars. Shoot, Shoot for I, the stars. I like it. I don't hate it. Awesome, Hugh. Thanks for the call, buddy. Appreciate it. No, I mean, you know, it's right. You should. You should try to go out there. We're certainly going to get into, into where all that comes in. Um, but it's just, it's just not a great place. The Galaxy are not a place people want to land right now. Now, I think they're going to get people. I think they're going to try. And let's go over some of that right now. Let's talk about some of these names that are going over. And the first name that pops in is Ali Curtis for a general manager. 
before we even talk names, let's talk just timing for a second because that's even more important. This is something I'm going to bring up. I'm going to bring up the San Jose coaching hunt right now. And the reason I'm going to bring up the San Jose coaching hunt, uh, uh, coaching hunt right now is a very simple reason is that whatever happens in San Jose has an effect on the LA Galaxy or more than likely whatever happens with the LA Galaxy has an effect on San Jose. They've already, San Jose, already started their coaching hunt. Already talked to Caleb Porter, an LA Galaxy target. He's certainly a possibility for the LA Galaxy. All right, and that could be a thing. So if you're looking at the San Jose, they were already out there. They have already, according to, I think, Grant Wall, um, already interviewed Caleb Porter about the coaching job in San Jose. All right. That's, that's, a, that's an issue. If the Galaxy think that, that Caleb Porter is their guy, they're letting San Jose be out in front and take the lead. Okay, now San Jose has also reached out to uh, Guillermo Barroscoloto. All right, you know, and he's down with Boca Juniors, obviously played with the Columbus Crew for a very long time. He's had a lot of success coaching in a lot of places. And he said that he wanted to come to Major League Soccer. San Jose has already reached out to him to find out how much money it would take to get him to San Jose. I'm not saying either of those guys will take the job with San Jose. And I'm not saying that somebody would think that San Jose is a more attractive place than the LA Galaxy. But I will tell you this, with, with, with the front office in San Jose and the front office in the LA Galaxy, they're certainly sort of butting heads as who's going to be the worst. All right, so Scalotto is a very should be a very big target of the LA Galaxy. It should be somebody they're considering. All right, But San Jose is already in there and already probably in there first, at least from what we know right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Galaxy have already talked to both these guys. Now, San Jose looks like they're going after the Stanford coach. Uh, the Stanford coach, three back-to-back-to-back uh, -to -back -to -back national championships for, uh, for Stanford head coach Jeremy Gunn, 87, 25, and 21. That's where San Jose looks like he's going. Okay. Um, that, that seems to be where they're leaning, at least right now, but it doesn't... The bottom line is they're out there talking to people. Now, the Galaxy, we also know, have a big sort of target on Greg Berhalter as well. And Berhalter trying to possibly go for the U.S. men's national team job and whether or not they can get Berhalter to the L.A. Galaxy. That's a difficult one to sort of see how that plays out. I don't think you want to go head-to-head -head with U.S. men's national team. All right? I really like Greg Berhalter. Always liked him as a player. Uh, would really love to see him back as GM and head coach, as as technical director and in charge of uh, and in charge of the the, co the head coaching. That seems to me like that would work. I know that's an that's an inside MLS pick, and people aren't exactly huge on that. But Burhalter, look what he did with Giassi's artist in terms of getting him to play. All right, I think Burhalter has some cachet about him. Uh, as far as MLS coaches go, he's one of the big ones. Peter Vermees. Another guy, a guy we just talked about, is a huge... I mean, you know, if you're the LA Galaxy and you can land Peter Vermees as both the general manager and technical director and you bring him from... Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, you, you could certainly try to do that as well. That's not happening. All right? But we, we talk about this stuff because San Jose is pressing right now and the Galaxy don't seem to be pressing. The Galaxy either... Uh, the Galaxy seem to be on a wait course in terms of, hey, let's wait. Let's see what we have here. But there's, there's questions you have to ask yourself. Why would the LA Galaxy wait for anything? Why would they wait? If they get, here's, here's, I just ran through in my mind. If you're the LA Galaxy, why would you not start to find a head coach or general manager right away? Why are you not already out there? Why aren't you beating San Jose to the, to the, to the gun? Why are you doing that? Number one would be if the Galaxy are going to hire a new general manager. 
If you're going to hire a GM, that GM ultimately should be involved in the coaching decision. And if you're going to decide to go GM and manager, you want the GM to hire the manager and those two to be on the same page. That would be a reason. So you better start talking to general managers and you better do it fast. Another reason the Galaxy could be waiting is if they're going to go after a coach who is still in season. All right, it's still in season coach. You can't bother yet, especially in Major League Soccer. So if you're going after Greg Burhalter, you have to wait. And you have to wait till that season's over. That doesn't mean you don't float the idea. doesn't mean that you didn't talk to his agent and said, hey, would Greg consider coming to the LA Galaxy? And that's something you could do, but it could. you still have to wait. What happens if the LA Galaxy are going to have a change after the season is over in terms of the front office. Well, you don't want this front office making that, so that's another reason why you might be waiting. And what happens if you're the LA Galaxy if you try to hire a coach before a new GM, and how does that go into long-term planning? Um, so, I mean, you know, ultimately it could be all these things and a combination of multiples of why the LA Galaxy might wait, but it doesn't seem likely with some of the people who are available that they could go out and do right now. The number one uh, prospect in terms of a general manager right now is Ali Curtis. All right, Ali Curtis, 39 years old. Uh, he, uh, he played, uh, I think he was at Duke. Uh, was a very successful college player in Duke. Um, eventually went to work for the investment bank, J.P. Morgan, uh, through 2004, 2007. Uh, and then, of course, we know him as the uh, club's sporting director for New York Red Bull. Uh, he was hired there in 2014, uh, but had to leave after the uh, after the 2017 season was over, whenever there were apparently disagreements between him and Jesse Marsh. So Ali Curtis is out there. So if you go out and you're looking for a general manager... Ali Curtis is probably top on your list. But that also means you're opening up a position in the front office right now because technically Pete Vianis, even though he's the soccer uh, VP of soccer operations, probably takes most of the GM roles. So that's another reason why you might be waiting in, in, in terms of some of these things. So that, that happens. So you have to keep an eye on it. I'll tell you right now, it wouldn't be surprised at all if the LA Galaxy sacrifice Pete Vianis after the season. Look at what's going on with, with Chris Klein, and certainly he's embattled right now. Five-year contract extension. Uh, the LA Galaxy have had two horrible seasons. It looks like this one's going to you know, end with missing the playoffs as well. Well, he has guys around him he can sacrifice in order to make himself look like he's doing stuff. Pete Vianis is one of those guys. I think Jovan Karofsky is one of those guys. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Um, and if that does, then you're looking at possibly a GM hired. If you go GM hire, Ali Curtis is a guy. Uh, Craig Weibel from, uh, from RSL is another guy who maybe you could lure. I mean, you can go down to some of these other teams and try to lure. Um, you know, Tim Bez Bezpachenko, the GM of Toronto FC, you're, you're probably not going to get him. But I'm just saying, in terms of general managers and what it looks like, these are the guys that you need to look at and understand these guys did it well. Carlos, Bo Carlos Bocanegra does not get enough uh, credit as technical director at Atlanta. All right. Um, and he's a guy who it would be great if the Galaxy could get over as a technical director slash general manager. Does a great job with Tata Martina. We talked about taking an international coach, probably like Shiloto. God, I can't talk today. It's been a long day. Um, but you get Shiloto in, and then you could have um, you know, a good GM that really backs up that understanding of Major League Soccer, and Shiloto even played inside of Major League Soccer, so he understands it up to a certain point. But I don't know that you just throw him in with the rules and everything else, and he's been coaching outside of it, and you expect him to understand it. You bring in a GM who understands that and puts that in, in perspective. Um, so, I mean, those are the names that are sort of out there, and you know, my list's a little old. There are some, some guys who maybe you said, hey, these guys weren't great. Um, 
but these are the general managers. So if you're going general manager, then, you know, Ali Curtis is probably your guy. And that's probably your number one. And I think that would be a great, you know why I like Ali Curtis? Because he's the guy who does long-term plans. He's the guy who can probably go into your organization and say, this is healthy. This is unhealthy. We need to fix this. We need to reinforce this. We need more scouts. We need an analytics department. We need all of these things. Ali Curtis can be your guy. All right. So, I mean, again, if you're, we're, we're always trying to balance. But if you're getting Greg Berhalter, you're probably not bringing in Ali Curtis. If you're going to Burhalter, Burhalter comes in and he's the technical director and GM. You probably leave that. Uh, Porter probably is a GM guy. Probably can work with a guy like Ali Curtis. So if you're going after Porter, then Ali Curtis might be a good hire there. There's all these balances to it. But the Galaxy have to come up with their plan and stick with a long-term plan. That's ultimately what this whole show is going to be about. Is no long-term plan. And no ability to let anybody implement that long-term plan and how that sours the coaching pool against you. Do you think Thierry Henry is going to come over to Major League Soccer? And by the way, Thierry Henry would be, I think, an amazing hire for the LA Galaxy. You talk about big names. Zinedine Zidane, of course. Um, But you need a GM with those guys. So get somebody like Ali Curtis. Ali Curtis is, would be a smart hire, and if the LA Galaxy aren't already talking to him to bring him in, or if they already don't have a plan to go GM, technical director, head coach in one person, then Ali Curtis is your guy, and they should already have him on the, on the, on the squad. All right? Um, so, so in my mind, if I'm putting this together, and I sit there and I say, okay, if I'm probably not going to get Greg Berhalter, which you're going up against U.S. men's national team, we, we think. We think that's probably likely. Um, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not going up against it. But if you're not going to go with a guy who's going to be all it, if you're not getting Peter Vermees from uh, from Sporting Kansas City to come over and take over your entire operation, then Ali Curtis is your hire, and he should be on the staff right now. 39 years old, relatively young. He is the guy you want to see. I, I, have no, I have no arguments about it. I don't know if the Galaxy will go after him. I think they should but that would be where I would start. And then you have the flexibility to go with Porter. You have the flexibility to go with an international coach. You can find somebody, but you get Curtis in, start laying the groundwork, understanding how the Galaxy are going to play, understanding who's staying, who's going, all those things, and then you let him stay for three years, at least. It's at least a three-year contract. I would say a five-year contract. And whoever you bring on a coach is three, three three years for a coach. The next coach you hire cannot be fired for three years. That's where you get this from, okay? This is this is about long-term planning. You have to be able to implement a plan. You can't do that in one season. That's what you need to see from the LA Galaxy. I'm not sure you get it. I'm not. Now they're competing with San Jose in the coaching hunt, and if they relax too much, they don't pay attention, San Jose is going to hire a coach that they wanted to hire. That, that's that's where you're getting. I mean, that's where ultimately you get with some of this stuff. Is whenever you start really analyzing these things, this is where you need to go. All right. Oh, 56 days. I can't. It's still. It's hard for me to imagine the galaxies haven't won since July. It's been a long time since we've even been at StubHub Center, right? I mean, that that's that's really that's really what you're talking about. It, it's crazy. It's crazy that this galaxy team, who has so much offensive talent, can't get any wins. Seven wins. Seven games in a row. No wins. So again, a lot of things sort of coming in. Let's get to uh, let's get to this email. I want to talk to, to Ari. Ari has a long email. I'm going to pull some stuff out of here. And being I'm the host, I get to, I get to cherry pick. 
<clears throat> so Ari, if you don't want me to cherry pick, you write a write a much smaller uh, email. Here, I'll show you. I'll show everybody on on the live stream how long this email is. All right, all right, Ari, all right, Ari. Uh, let's see what we got. Um, Ari says, Josh, can you guys please stop talking about how the decision to fire Anolfo was premature? There are several reasons the Anolfo should have been fired, but not taken all the blame for the team. No pedigree. He had two previous failed head coaching stints with MLS clubs, DC and Kansas City. They also obviously saw something they didn't like with his leadership and let him go. Yes, he did well with the Galaxy too, but he completely lacked judgment in who he thought was going to be MLS caliber players from the G2 side. He should never have been considered for the job to begin with. Uh, though Viannis and Klein likely had more to do with player selection than Kurt, so he just undermined his first one, uh, he willingly went into the season in several unproven G2 players in his 18-man roster. The Robbie Rogers issue went unaddressed until the summer. We know that. Uh, you just don't decide a player's MLS caliber. You try them out at G2, you bring them to practice with the first team, you give them limited first team minutes and see how they fare. The fact that Kurt was okay with just deciding to call up so many G2 players meant that he was delusional. Uh, number four was Brian Rowe is not a starter in MLS. How did anyone think he showed enough to be one? Uh, let's see. He, uh, Ari goes on to say, I emailed you in February last year saying the season was going to be a disaster and that anyone could see it. Sadly, I was right, and I blame the front office 100% since they never should have hired Kurt, and they should have never tried the G2 experiment. Uh, I completely agree with you. The team in front office has lost the patience and support of the fans. We have a better team than last year. We have better individual players and proven MLS winners, but we absolutely punch below our weight this season. Um, the front office must have a higher soccer IQ and player talent assessment is sorely lacking. Kevin is right. No South Americans is a cause for concern. I think we need a stronger front office and the front office should reestablish our culture and style. And the coach should be the maestro who conducts, uh, who conducts the coach should absolutely have a say in the players, but we should not be starting from scratch. Every time we lose a coach that just points to a very weak front office and lack of culture. Uh, he goes on and says, if Gio is on the team when the season starts next year, it will speak very highly of the front office and their desire to win. You guys are right. Gio is not a winner, does not have a winning attitude or mentality, and he should not be there. All right. I think that does it. Uh, if he doesn't make himself available to the press or show that he wants to be uh, here, then AEG needs to pay him to go away and let's uh, find a number 10 who wants to be here. Sorry for the frustrated email, but I really appreciate you and your show as it's my soccer therapy. Thanks, Ari. All right, Ari, thanks for that. I disagree on some of that. I think I covered it, but I, I don't... You got to the ultimate thing there. I think the weaker front office is certainly a thing that you have to look at. It's something that we've talked about. Uh, it's it's very obvious, in fact, in most cases. All right, let's talk to Brian. Brian from Hawaii, who now is in Greece. All right, so Brian from Greece. So going a little international here on COG. Uh, Brian wanted to call in because he found an awesome stat. I'll use awesome in quotation marks uh, to talk about the Yellow Galaxy. Here it is, is Brian. Hey, Josh, this is Brian in Greece. Couldn't watch the game, obviously. It's kind of difficult to find it out here. So I started looking up a bunch of facts and all that. So I got a really depressing one for you. Um, this is the most amount of goals that the Galaxy has ever given up in a five-game period. Seriously. They allowed 19 in five games. Even like last June and July when RSL beat us 6-2 and we gave up all those, we still didn't even come close to 19. Back in 2007 in that six-match losing streak, not even close. 2006 was the seven-match losing streak. Not even close. Even in 1998, when teams were scoring like eight, seven, and six goals, it should have been the other way around, uh, per side, even then, the Galaxy never gave up 19 goals in five games. They always rebounded in a different game. But th this just seems like there's no rebound whatsoever. This is literally the worst five-game stretch I think they've ever had. And that's pretty sad. All right. I like Brian's ending there. And that's pretty sad. Da-da. 
Uh, Brian calling from Greece. I wonder how much that phone call costs. We should probably, I mean, uh, maybe we need to do like a, a, a GoFundMe for Brian just so he can make phone calls to us. So Brian's certainly doing a, a, a good job calling him from Greece. So we appreciate it, Brian. No, I mean, a horrible stat. We've, we went over the stats a little bit and sort of talked about it. It's not good for the galaxy. Um, it's not good at all. And uh, and unfortunately, that's that's sort of where we've been at for uh, for a while with the LA Galaxy is that you don't you can't trust them, um, you can't trust them at all. As a matter of fact, to get a win against bad teams, or you know, quite honestly, to lose to good teams either. Uh, they're sort of one of those enigmas. Uh, we're going to get ready to uh, talk about uh, Seattle here just a little bit, but I wanted to go over some games, and I went through and I charted the entire Western Conference for this weekend coming up, and the games to sort of watch. There's there's three games really that you you might want to take a look at. Uh, the first one is FC Dallas at Vancouver. Vancouver obviously sitting just two points ahead of the LA Galaxy. FC Dallas sitting in second place in the Western Conference. They are headed up to Vancouver where uh, they will take on FC Dallas. And when that happens, you're hoping that FC Dallas wins that game if you're an LA Galaxy fan. The other game you're also looking at that is going to have a lot of uh, ramifications outside of the game between Seattle and LA Galaxy uh, is going to be Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake travels to Atlanta. You have to imagine that Atlanta loses that, or excuse me, Atlanta loses that game after Atlanta just uh, had to come back and and beat uh, um, uh, San Jose, excuse me, San Jose, uh, 4-3, and see that game the way that it ended and and all that stuff. So you have to imagine that Atlanta at home is going to beat Real Salt Lake, and that's good because the big thing about Real Salt Lake, while they may be... um, you know, seven points ahead of the LA Galaxy right now is that they are on the same number of games as the LA Galaxy. So any game they lose is points picked up for the LA Galaxy. All right, so that's something that you need to understand. Galaxy need to win against Seattle. So those are the two games. Vancouver uh, versus FC Dallas and Real Salt Lake at Atlanta are the two big games that you're going to want to watch. And I believe both those games are on Saturday. I I didn't write it down. I should have, but you can check it out. You can find where you're at and you'll figure out where the LA Galaxy are and how they look um, in comparison, the LA Galaxy need a win. We've talked about it. Seattle Sounders currently sit just um, just six points ahead of them right now. 44 points. This is a six-point game, although you don't make up six points just like that. You can make up three. LA Galaxy could uh, could vault, I say, into 41 uh, points. And that 41 points with Vancouver possibly losing to Dallas puts them ahead of Vancouver. You have now jumped a team and you need to stay in front of them. And then who do you have the next weekend? Vancouver. There is a path here, boys and girls. There's a path to get into seventh and create a little bit of distance. And then RSL has a difficult schedule down the road. And so if RSL can fall in number five, at number five right now, Real Salt Lake is the team you want to watch to see if they fall. Absolutely the team you want to watch to see if they fall. Now we talked about Seattle having a midweek game and let's go ahead and get you ready for this Sunday afternoon game. Sunday, September 23rd, 2018, a 4 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Uh, the game's at StubHub Center. Fox Sports 1 will be your channel. I believe uh, Stu Holden, uh, John Strong, and Katie Witham will, of course, be on the call for Fox Sports 1, for FS1 there on Sunday. So uh, expect a little bit later kickoff time than the 4 p.m., all right? But get there early. Uh, I think they're expecting a sellout. I think it's going to end up being a pretty big game. And with Seattle coming in, and it was going to be Seattle comes in on a giant winning streak, a nine-game winning streak that was just snapped by Philadelphia midweek. In fact, they were on a 12-game unbeaten streak, except that Philadelphia just snapped it in Seattle. This was a game that went 0-0 for a very long time. You had uh, Ishmael Elfath, the referee, calling just the most bizarre fouls for both ways and both teams. There were six or seven yellow card offenses that went completely unpunished for whatever reason. Um, 
And then you end up getting to a place where uh, the galaxy finally get, uh, you know, or excuse me, the galaxy where Seattle finally gets a, a little bit of, uh, uh, of, I don't know, unluckiness. It was Stephen Fry who made a pass. Um, and Fry's been great for Seattle for so many times. But anyway, Stephen Fry makes a pass. Uh, Philadelphia, who's down to 10 men at that time, goes in and scores in the 93rd minute. Thank you very much. Philadelphia walks away with the three points, snapping the nine-game winning streak, snapping the 12-game unbeaten streak, and the Seattle Sounders now limp, and literally limp, into StubHub Center. The big deal, of course, this midweek is that, that Seattle lost two players in this game. We don't know what their status will be for Sunday. There is some time for them to recover. But Raul Ruiz, who is uh, one of their uh, newest signings, plays at the striker position, has been really dangerous. Um, he left in the first half. Uh, will Bruin ended up replacing him. Will Bruin is still very capable of scoring on the SLA Galaxy defense, so don't be that excited about it. Um, but anyway, uh, Raul Ruiz comes out with an ankle injury, and Chad Marshall uh, got went head-to-head with one of the Philadelphia attackers, um, and he ended up leaving at halftime. Came back on the field, looked like he shouldn't have been on the field they took him off the field at halftime and he came in uh the la galaxy 10 11 and 8 38 points seattle sounders 13 9 and 5 44 points uh the home record for the la galaxy 6 4 and 4 seattle on the road is 6 5 and 3 this just fyi the seattle sounders have 21 points at home or excuse me 21 points on the road the la galaxy have 22 points at home don't expect this to be an easy game. Um, it's not going to be. Currently, right now, Seattle dropped a spot from midweek with that loss. They went down to sixth in the Western Conference and ninth in the Supporters' Shield, dropped spots in both places. The LA Galaxy, eighth in the Western Conference, 14th in the Supporters' Shield, didn't change at all. The LA Galaxy, of course, winless in seven games. Last win was on July 29th uh, for Seattle. Uh, their last win was 9-15 at Vancouver. So Seattle comes down with uh, Nico Ladero with his seven goals and nine assists. Uh, Ladero and Marshall, quite honestly, I think are the two best players on that team. And Chad Marshall possibly being a no-show for this LA Galaxy team only makes it better for the Galaxy. Going against Roman Torres, uh, if you have Zlatan Ibrahimovic going against Roman Torres, or if you have him going against Chad Marshall, I think everybody would like that uh, the Roman Torres matchup a lot better. Uh, Stefan Fry has been great and will sort of overlook his, his little mistake just his very small, small mistake that he made and, and ended up costing them the game. Uh, 94 saves, 120 shots saved, or, or 120 shots faced. Uh, the LA Galaxy and David Bingham, 107 saves, 166 shots faced. 46 more shots faced by David Bingham. All right, that means, again, that means something. We've talked about David Bingham maybe... Listen, I'm not going to say he's unfairly criticized for not saving some shots, but most of these aren't really questions. Most of these I don't sit there and go, oh, David Bingham, oh, I thought for sure, thought for sure that you should have saved that ball. There's been some, absolutely. But most of these, I'm like, eh, no chance. No chance at all for David Bingham. So he needs to have, you know, a stronger defense. I'll tell you right now, it looks like Giovanni Dos Santos uh, still has not trained outside with the LA Galaxy, trained inside. I heard Bradford Jameson on this uh, Thursday trained inside today, so he will be a question mark whether or not he's available, both of those guys. Sebastian Leggett at least trained for half of the time with the LA Galaxy out on the main field in the senior team, so that's sort of good. Um, that's what you need. So, listen, I think things are lining up for the Galaxy to steal this game. If you were going to say, if you wanted to place your bet on the long shot of the Galaxy winning, because I don't think it's it's a very likely scenario the Galaxy win this game, but things did line up. Those injuries are to two key players. Uh, it's a short turnaround. They were in Seattle. They had to play against Philadelphia. Now they have to rest, most likely rest on Thursday, train on Friday, uh, travel on Saturday, play on Sunday. 
very short condensed time, time stamp for everything here. So Seattle is, is a little bit under the gun, and now they're under pressure. And granted, you have 538s giving them a very high percentage to make it in the playoffs right now. But that doesn't mean that that's that that that's likelihood. See, there's even with the Seattle. Let's go and find Seattle on the on the list again. Ninety six percent. There's still a four percent chance that Seattle doesn't make the playoffs. And quite honestly, there's a ninety two percent chance the Galaxy don't make the playoffs. Those are all chances, though. Out of a hundred, that means four times it's going to happen. Out of you know, out of a hundred, that means the Galaxy eight times is going to happen. So those things can all happen. But winning against Seattle really picks you up points against two teams if you expect Real Salt Lake to lose to Atlanta United in Atlanta. Now, again, Atlanta United, all the way out in San Jose, has to travel all the way back. RSL might catch them, could actually get a draw out of it. If RSL picks up points, you can almost say sayonara for the LA Galaxy, even if they go on and win. You really need RSL to drop the points there. That's what you're waiting for. RSL to drop points because RSL is the most likely team. The Galaxy have to jump two teams. It doesn't matter what teams they jump, but they have to jump two teams. They have to jump whoever is in that seventh place. Right now it's Vancouver. And they have to jump whoever is in going to be in that sixth position, right? Which is RS, which is probably going to be RSL. I think Seattle moves to the top. I think Portland moves to the top. Unless Seattle's on their death spiral. Maybe they, maybe they died late. Maybe they ran out of gas. Maybe the unbeaten streak came at the wrong time. All those things haven't been said. That's what the LA Galaxy need. They need to jump two teams, and the only way they can do it is by beating Seattle and beating Vancouver back-to-back at home. Then you go on the road. Now things can get interesting. Sporting Kansas City, Minnesota, and then back home to face off against uh, Houston. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yes. This is, this is where you're at. This is exactly where you're at for the LA Galaxy. Um, oh, and by the way, I wanted to get this out because somebody said, I can figure out a way to blame Gio for everything. And somebody said, you can't blame Gio because he hasn't been playing. And I said, ah, but I can. Um, so let me figure out a way to blame Gio for everything. During the seven-game winless streak the LA Galaxy have had, Giovanni Dos Santos has played just 65 minutes. In fact, he was only available for two of those games. He has missed five games during that match. He played 45 minutes LA versus Minnesota, and he played 20 minutes RSL versus LA. That's it. That's the only time. So your highest paid player, possibly one of your most skilled players on the field, has, of course, missed during the seven-game winless streak, five of those seven games, and played for just barely over an hour. Just barely over an hour. This, I mean, this is, we've gone over these stats before. I don't want to bore everybody in terms of the geo numbers of the designated player, because quite honestly, all designated players, including Ramon Alessandrini, have all been uh, well underperformers this year. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, 31% of his minutes. Jonathan Dos Santos, 56.2% of his minutes. Roman Alessandrini, 56.9% of the minutes. Total, your three designated players have played 48.0% of their total available minutes. That's what you've seen in 2018 for the LA Galaxy and the designated players. If you throw Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic in there, Ola Kamara, 85.8% of the total available minutes. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, 75.2% total available minutes. Uh, If you add them to the three designated players, you get 60.6% of the total available minutes played, but only because those two are boosting the numbers, Ola Kamara. LA Galaxy have a big question to answer under Dominic Kinnear now. Can they get wins under Dominic? Can they get wins with a four-man back line? 
you know, the having the young kid, uh, younger kid Bradford Jameson in there, you know, what does that go out the window now that uh, it looks like maybe he's injured? And if you do, you know, who's really going to play in that offensive role? Is Sebastian Legette going to be healthy enough to start in that role? So the Galaxy are going to be shorthanded, it looks like, for this team in, in a position they don't want to be. And in fact, in a position where all three of the players play the same position and they don't have anybody. Giovanni Dos Santos, Sebastian Legette, and Bradford Jameson. Whoever is healthiest of those, it certainly is um, something that you have to see. Um, I think that, uh, and they're asking me in the chat room, is uh, have you heard if Gio's upset about being here? Um, I don't know that he's upset about being here. I think that uh, Giovanni Dos Santos is perfectly happy to cash his check every week. Uh, generally, whenever he is requested for media, he does not speak. In fact, he hasn't spoken in a very long time to the media. Um, probably since coming back from the World Cup, maybe he did once. Um, but I can't remember off the top of my head. And quite honestly, he hasn't been available for most of those games, so there's no no chance of even asking him things. Um, he and Jonah do definitely go around the Champions Lounge. I've seen it myself uh, multiple times. Um, and even if you talk to the, some of the security guards, they're going to tell you the same thing, that those guys avoid the Champions Lounge and walking out that way every single time. I'll tell you somebody who doesn't, though. Zlatan Ibrahimovic walks through there every single time after every single game. Hats off. Almost every other player walks through there and signs autographs and does the things. So that's what you're getting from Gio. I think that uh, Gio thinks, I, I think if I was going to climb into Gio's head and said why he doesn't want to speak to the media, he thinks that no matter what he says, he's going to get crucified. By the way, the last time I requested him, he had a very good game and we were going to write, Corner of the Galaxy was requesting him to write a positive article on him. All right, because we haven't really got to talk about him so much and most of the stuff is negative. We thought that him having a good game was a great chance to talk about him. He declined to speak. By the way, he declined to speak in violation of MLS media policies. That's what you're getting right now. I mean, ultimately, and that's what you're going to probably get for him for the rest of the season. I don't know if he comes back. I don't know if the Galaxy are brave enough to write, him, write, off, write that check and say adios. Or brave enough to move him at a loss. That's what you have to do if you're going to move Giovanni Dos Santos. You're going to be at a loss. You're not going to make the money. You're you just right off six and a half million dollars, which is what I believe his escalation is going to be. He's at six million now. He was at 5.5 the year before. It's kind of gone up about a half a million dollars every single time. It's probably 6.5. It could be 6.75 in the fifth year. Don't know. Don't know exactly what it is, but the Galaxy need to write that check. Um, and I think, I think if you're smart, if you can do it, you separate Jonathan and Gio, and I think you get a lot out of uh, a lot of out of Jonathan Dos Santos. I really do. I think I think you just pull it. I think you absolutely do. I think that Giovanni Dos Santos is a bad influence on Jonathan Dos Santos. And I think I think I've only heard really good things about Jonathan. Uh, and I've only heard how the how the influence from Gio is a negative to Jonathan and not a positive. I think the Galaxy were hoping that bringing in Jonah was going to be a positive influence to Gio. And instead, Gio seems to be a negative influence on Jonah. And if you have to get rid of a bit of both of them, that's fine too. It's fine. I mean, really, it doesn't really matter all that much. That's 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 where you're at. But contract-wise, it says that they should still stay. So that's how it is. That, that's, that's where the Galaxy stand. Again, going into the Seattle game, is it a must-win? I don't think it is mathematically. Um, and everything I've seen, it doesn't say that. And usually there will be lots of articles saying that. And I, I don't, don't make me do the math. It's too hard. But if they lose, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. That's it. Um, another must-win in quotation marks. Uh, the Galaxy know this. I actually expect that you're going to see a decent showing from the LA Galaxy. I don't know why I get that feeling. I feel like they have something to prove. 
um, after the, the Toronto game. And Zlatan was actually very positive in the comments after it. So I think that this team is feeling a little bit better about itself. I know a 5-3 loss isn't something you jump up and down about. But that's where I feel this team is, is starting to get, is they feel a little bit better about this. So that's what you're going to get from the Galaxy. Again, a Sunday, September 23rd game, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday. Uh, Fox Sports 1 is your television if you're not going to be at the game. If you are, get there early. have a feeling it's going to be a, a busy night. All right. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we need to get to. I don't think there is. It's it's a long night. You guys have put up with me for way longer than you should have uh, through the ups and downs of this particular podcast. So, again, a Monday night show coming up with Mr. Kevin Baxter, uh, the panda himself. He and I will be back to talk about this game on Seattle. Of course, we'll have a live show next Thursday. Don't know which of my co-hosts will decide to show up, but I'm sure somebody will be available next week. So we're certainly going to try to do that for you. Um, and other than that, I, I think that's it. Um... I don't think we have much more to talk about. The LA Galaxy uh, just need to win games. It's that simple. We can figure that out. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast on Twitter. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our articles, all of our podcasts. I know Larry Morgan's putting together a wonderful notebook for you. Should be coming out on Friday sometime. Uh, Saturday, I may be out training, so if you uh, have any questions for me, let me know. I will see what I can do out there on Saturday, and then Sunday, of course, the game. I'll see everybody there. You can always say hi to me at halftime, top of section 108, bottom of the press box stairs. You'll see it right there. There's some people who always stand there anyway, so just uh, give me a little bit to get down there, and I'll say hi. All right. Uh, I think that about does it. Game on Sunday. See everybody there. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.